Hello and welcome to episode three of the Coach Emmanuel Show, here with Greg Ryder. In this episode, we talk about coaching abroad, we give you a coaching tip of the week, and we'll also talk about some ex-Premier League football clubs. Let's get into the show. What position do you want to be? Play from me. Well done, well done. It could be a good tactic for you. Well played. Okay, off you go. Go and do that for me. Go and score with this goal. For all of our listeners that don't know who you are, do you want to give them a 45 second to a one minute biography of who you are? Yeah, um, basically I'm coaching in the Premier League in Iceland. Um, I went out there almost five years ago. When I first went out there I was doing youth football, um, worked my way up to an assistant manager with Herman O'Reilly and David James when they went out there. And then three years ago now I, I applied for a job at the First Division Club and then we've just got promoted and now I'm coaching the Premier League. So that sums it up. You're coaching at the Premier League at the moment in Iceland? Yeah, well, when I say at the moment, the season doesn't start on May 1st. So <laughs> as soon as the season starts, we'll be in with the big boys for first time for, I think it's eight or nine years since the club were there. So it's, it's nice. So did you say you went up with a previous club? Yeah, so when I, when I first went out there, I, was, I went to a, a club um, working with 16s under 19s, they're called IBV, um, and Herman O'Reilly, who played in the English Premier League with you know Portsmouth, Charlton, mm-hmm. all those. That was his hometown club. He went back there. When he went back there, I became his assistant. Um, we worked together for a year. When he left, I left, and I took another job as a you know as a manager in the first division, which is one league below the Premier League. Right. And then worked with them for two years, and we got promoted in my second year. Brilliant. So, what was it like working with Herman? Well, it was his first job. Um, it was his first job in management. So he, he came in, he brought David James with him, who was goalkeeper, coach, and he played. Herman played as well a little bit. Um, but like I said, it was his first job. He hadn't got any licences really when he took it, so he was learning his licences when he was doing it. But, you know, I, he's a great character and I learned some, you know, a lot of things off him. Um, it, was, it was a good experience. So when David James went over to Iceland, he's obviously a big name. So what impact did that have on the club? It, the whole of Iceland were buzzing. <laughs> they really were. They were buzzing when he was there because you know he's been in the World Cup and that that doesn't happen very often in a small country, three hundred thousand people. So you know it was quite a big coup for the club to get him over there. And you know Herman had connections. There was talk of getting Ben Johnny out there and all these guys. So for it, for a little while there was a bit of a buzz going on, and that was it was a good time to be there. I think. Yeah, so a lot of our listeners won't know much about the football culture in Iceland. So does it differ majorly to the UK? Yeah, I mean, the setup basically, so the Premier League is, majority of them are professionals, but there are a lot of players also who have a job on the side as well. Um, so therefore the league isn't fully professional. Um, the standard of the league is quite hard to, to put a finger on it. So, for example, two years ago, the, the team that won the Icelandic Premier League played in the Europa qualifiers and they beat like Bangor City from Wales and they beat Motherwell over two legs and they beat Let Poznan over two legs. So that sort of gives you an idea of where that, but then they got beat 5-0 off Inter Milan in the last yeah. qualifying. So that gives you a little bit of a, an idea of the, the standard and, and what it's like there. Yeah, so how does that affect the academy structures? The, the academy structure, mainly because the, the country is so small, you know, 300,000 people. Um, it's, it's not hand-picked, you know, that people just go to training. 
so you don't get invited into an academy just anyone who wants to go turns up and there's a lot of emphasis on free play and there's not too much pressure you know the kids go there to enjoy playing football and it's it's quite you know remarkable really how many players they produce you know considering the size of the country and I think it is a lot to do with just the very relaxed approach they have to the, the academy system really yeah what type of players do the Icelandic uh, development players look up to well, I think Gilfie Sigurdsson you know at Swansea now he's the, he's the biggest um, and obviously they've had uh, Ida Good Jonsson who's you know, done Chelsea Barcelona and those teams so they're the they're probably the main two right now um, so yeah it's they, they get players all over there's players in Holland there's players in Belgium you know all over the place really right so with the academy structure as it is mm-hmm. where players don't have to trial they can just kind of invite themselves what challenges do you face? I think you know for the youth coaches obviously there's a variety of uh, skill level you know you get some very good players and some very poor players all in the same session so I would say that is a big big challenge for for the coaches on how they separate that out and they manage to get the good players to progress and become very good players and I think that another benefit is Herman Ryderson, for example, he he was still playing sort of at his level in terms of his age group, all the way up until under 19. He'd not played any first team games, and then when he got to about 20, he suddenly grew a little bit, and they put him in for the first team a bit, and got sold to Crystal Palace. And he said he went there, and when he got there, he didn't even know how to kick a ball. He said he's like, you know, they were telling me to do all his technical stuff. I didn't know what I was doing. You know, and suddenly he goes and makes a fifteen-year career in the Premier League. So it's 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 interesting the way they do it. So you've worked at Newcastle, is that right? Yeah, very 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 short. I was I was in America. I did a football scholarship in America, and then when I came back, just you know, I wanted to get into coaching. And um, Newcastle actually had a collaboration with this club in Iceland, so I was only at Newcastle for a month in the development centre, and just said, "Do you fancy?" You know, going to Iceland, you're going to be working with under 16s and academy. So, yeah, cool school for it, and it's probably started from there, really. So, how were the coaches at Newcastle? Were they different to Iceland? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a lot more regimented. You know, right. there's a syllabus that they have to stick to, and um, obviously the players are invite only. You know, you have to go through the trial process, and it's it's very much you know military operation the way things are run. And there's not much room for freedom of expression and things like that. Whereas Iceland's the other end of the scale; it's a lot more relaxed, and uh, that that encourages the players to enjoy themselves. Yeah. You know, often you find players in England sort of get this 15, 16, and you know, alcohol gills and all that sort of stuff comes available, and they're getting pressured to play football, and they don't really enjoy it as much anymore. Whereas Iceland, they, they don't get, they don't have that. So you're talking about like uh, pressure to play football. Mm-hmm. You play football in the US, right, for yeah, college. Yeah. So what was it like when you were over there? Um, it, it's probably the closest thing you can get to being professional without being professional because the, the facilities and everything were you know, outstanding. And, you know, the Americans are, there's thousands of people watching games that are just college level. And it was it was taken very seriously. And obviously they paid for my full education and all that stuff. So in that respect, it was, it was a good experience. Cool. So in Iceland at the moment, your team is you're going to have to help me pronounce <laughs> this surely you can you can get that can't you <laughs> go that, have a go th- th- 
Strotarekvik. Very good. Is yeah. that right? Strotarekvik. Yeah. Well, there you are. So you're there at the moment. Yeah. So what are the aims for that team this year? Well, we just so we just got promoted. We've got the lowest budget in the league. So it's very much if we finish one place in a relegation zone, then we're going to be happy. I don't think they've ever stayed up in the Premier League two years consecutively. So they're a bit of a yo-yo, bit of a yo-yo club. Wow. Um, so if we keep them up this year, we'll, we'll be delighted. So the economic differences between clubs does make a difference in the UK, technically <laughs> speaking, other than Leicester this year. Yeah. But is, it, is that a, a major difference in Iceland? I would... I would say so on a lesser scale, obviously. But it, you know, just to give you an example, we our top earning player gets about three thousand euro net per month, and then he gets an apartment and car, and then the top club pays maybe ten thousand euro okay. net per month. That's a big difference, and that that is reflected in the the quality of the squad and the depth of squads. So it's it's similar to the Premier League, just on a very very smaller level. Yeah, so there's still some correlations between yeah. the two leagues. Yeah, exactly. So, if you're looking at players in your squad, what kind of abilities do you look for? Do you look for like really technical abilities, or do you look for players with pace? I would say it's it's all about putting the the jigsaw puzzle together. So, you know, we're, we're, you get players specific to the to the roles that you require and what you need. Um, it's all about your club philosophy, the way you want to play, and you might not necessarily always bring in the best player but it'll be the best player for that specific role and when you're working on a budget you've got to be very very you know clever and selective about what what players you go for cool and you said you were in Iceland when they first qualified for the Euros Mm -hmm. how did that feel it was it was good because the gaffer of the national team we've got Lars Lagerbeck who's obviously the Swedish Swedish guy and then his joint manager is the same manager who was coaching IBV when I went there, so I got to know him quite well, and I, you know, I've watched a lot of Icelandic national team games and sessions and things like that. And you know, they they play a four four two system, and they have done now for four years, and now you know more teams are coming to to play that, especially in England. And it's they just you know they all know the roles. They beat Holland one nil home and away, and. It's it's pretty remarkable, really, the, the achievement that they've had and the success that they've had. So it's it's been interesting watching them develop because you know four years ago they were literally nothing. So you said they play four four two. So four four two used to encompass the Premier League with um, it still being a, a major formation. And even last year it was the second most popular formation in the league after four two three one. Yeah. But do you think the formations follow a trend or a fashion? Yeah, definitely. Definitely, I think you know the three-five-two now and the four-four-two are becoming maybe as popular as the four-two-three-one. It just just depends. I mean, in our in the Premier League now in Iceland, I think half the teams will play either four-four-two or three-five-two. Whereas I think two years ago it was nearly every single team played four-two-three-one. So it, it is definitely go through trends and fashions. Yeah, um, Jose Mourinho when he won the Premier League with Chelsea. He played 4-2-3-1 the entire season. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that we've identified through uh, the coaching manual is that we believe the positions on the field, that each player in those 4-2-3-1 has key responsibilities in order to make it work. Mm-hmm. So for a 4-4-2, do you think that's kind of the same? Do you think each player has a clear, defined role? Yeah, I think in any formation that you do, it's it's crucial that every player has to know their, their specific role and 
you know, especially if you're talking maybe about a three-five-two, where a lot of players haven't haven't coached that. You know, more, mainly people are used to playing back, back four. That's how you get brought up. So a lot of the players now, are sort of generation now, they're not they're not used to playing three at the back. So it's a whole new system to get used to. That's probably why I would never go for it. I couldn't play three-five-two because the players aren't in their comfort zone. Um, we always stick to four at the back and. If you play 4-3-3 it's pretty similar or easy to adjust to a 4-4-2 as well so it's just it depends on the players it's all depends on the players you can't put players into an uncomfortable position because they won't produce yeah so it's all about looking at the squad that you've got their yeah. technical ability yeah. and seeing what they can put yeah, into yeah. the formation yeah I don't think you can ever go into a club and say without even you know knowing your players and saying right we're playing 3-5-2 because you don't know just got to do that yeah, po- yeah possibly because that's their philosophy but yeah. you've got to be you know receptive to the players you've got in your team and what the strengths are because if you don't play at the strengths then it's not gonna it's not gonna end well I don't think. Brilliant. So with the players you've got in your squad, the four four two is working well for you. Well do we play four two three one. Four you play four yeah, two three yeah, one. Yeah. So what strength of the four two three one mm-hmm. is applicable to your squad? Why does it work for you? Um the main thing that we've developed is we've got a lot of pace and that, that, that's very good for us, especially going you know up a league because it means that we can counter teams. Um, so it, it gives us the option to play with the two in midfield. We can either just sit and hold, or we can have one that's box to box, and then it allows us to have four good attacking players that can just focus on attacking. So you know we've got a left winger, a right winger who have got a ton of pace. We've got a Brazilian number ten who you know is like your sounds. He's creative and he. He does the unexpected. Great to have in your squad. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, a really quick uh, young Icelandic player up front. So it, it works well for what we want to achieve, really. Brilliant. Each week on the podcast, we normally do a question of the week for our listeners. All right. So if, what I'd like from you is if you could give them either a question of the week okay. or a piece of advice for coaches that are thinking of coaching abroad. Okay. Um... I would say for coaches who want a coach abroad, the biggest the biggest decision that I hear for a lot of people is, you know, oh I've got I've got a wife or I've got a kid or whatever or family and things like that, and you know if you do want a coach abroad, I feel that it's a massive massive opportunities available to you. You know I went out there to do under 16s and now five years later I'm in the Premier League doing it as a first team manager and I'm, I'm 28. You know and that would never happen in England especially. So, if you know if it is something you're interested in, I would say go for it 100 percent, regardless of the, the family situation. If you can if you can move out there, it's it's got huge potential for you, and you've got to sort of question how much you want it because if you do want it, then it it's there. Yeah, just go all in. Just go, just go all in. That would be my advice. Just go for it. Do you think people underestimate how long it will take to make it as professional? Yeah, I think. In, in England, I still don't even know now, you know, because obviously my aim for me is to come back to England because I'm, I'm from here, I'm from Newcastle, I want to come back here and coach. But the cycle I've got to go through, I just, you know, in terms of my, my plan, I, don't, I wouldn't even know where to pinpoint when it would occur because even though I'm coaching at a reasonably high level now, it still seems quite long, long, long way away. So it's just, you've just got to decide, you know, are you going to try and go through the youth set up in England? Are you going to try and work your way through the academy and hope that one day you get the break into the first team? 
which in my experience doesn't happen. I don't know that many coaches now in the Premier League, for example, that have achieved that. Or do you want to go the, the foreign route, you know, like Hodgson or someone like that who's gone abroad and then managed to come back? So that's the route I'm going for, whether it works or not, then I don't know. So you've gone down the foreign route, you've yeah. come back to England today to do your yeah. UEFA A? Yeah, yeah. So how's that going for you? Yeah, it's going good. Obviously, I had the option to do it in Iceland, but the the way the A license work is, it reflects the league that you know the country, the home league's country. So the Premier League in England is obviously the best in the world. So therefore, the A license is the best in the world, and the Icelandic isn't. So that's why I, I chose to come back here to do it. And yes, yeah, it's, it's it's going well. Good. Well, thanks for joining us yeah, on the welcome. podcast. We appreciate your insight into coaching abroad. Yeah. Well, yeah. Right. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. Welcome. Thank you for me. Done, well done. It could be a good tactic for you. Well played. Okay, off you go. Go and do that thing. Go and score with this goal.